Welcome back to Everything is Public Health, where we talk about how everything is public health and public health is for everyone. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Now, we're both public school kids, right? Can confirm. All right. Did you ever eat school lunch or breakfast or both? And how were they? Uh, Not school breakfast. We didn't have school breakfast, at least not as far as I know. I had school lunches occasionally. They were... I would say substantially better <laughs> than they are now, but like still they were fine. Uh-huh. What were they? So it would be like chicken strips and baby carrots and like apple slices or like Friday was pizza day. And so you get like a French bread pizza and then there'd be some kind of vegetable that I don't remember. But it was it was like classic, you know, pretty good quality food. You know, we're talking 80s and 90s. So right. <laughs> This was this was good quality food, as far as I recall. Good quality cafeteria food. Yeah. And then when I got into high school, there were like nice hot lunches. You'd go through the cafeteria line and, you know, they'd have lasagna or whatever. So. And this was the suburb. I lived in the suburb. Just put that in perspective. Uh, my school lunches was not as good. <laughs> um, it was. Well, you're also about 20 years. Yeah. 15, 15, 20 later, 15 years later for. I mean, well, here's the thing. I think elementary school lunches. for all intents and purposes, it got the job done, but it was very much like this is essentially McDonald's. <laughs> you know, this is essentially fast food, but for school lunch, essentially. And it was, you know, like chicken patty burgers with nothing in it, but buns and a chicken patty in the middle sometime there's pizza uh fries you so you don't eat it frequently though you bring your own lunch most of the time yeah usually my dad would help me pack lunches and usually bring something in mostly because i think we've talked about the fact that i have celiac and but i you can't didn't eat know gluten. i didn't know when i was a kid but there were a lot of things i didn't like to eat because i didn't feel good after eating them and so like when i was a kid i would eat pizza but i would just eat the toppings off and not eat the oh, you're one of those actual kids. pizza part. Well, I didn't know at the time, but it was like making well, you me had a reason. ill. <laughs> you had a reason. Um, and so my dad was like, well, it's not worth buying you school lunch if you're not going to eat the spaghetti and meatballs, if you're not going to eat the whatever. So right. most of the time. Oh, yes, spaghetti and meatballs? <laughs> wow, <laughs> we don't have any of those. Okay, there's yeah, a so huge difference. so most of the time we packed lunches. So my experience, uh, I think I've said already, really mediocre food. Did you usually buy school lunch or did you take lunches? Yes, I did not ever bring lunch to school because it was just like another thing for me to hold with my hand and therefore another thing for me to forget somewhere. So I was a very forgetful child. So school lunches was the default option. And you alluded to this and it was also the same for me. We had to pay. We had to pay for school lunches. Usually I just brought cash to school mm-hmm. and I paid it per meal a la carte. But, you know, I think some schools, I don't know if our school did it. I don't ask what other people do for lunch, but some school have like just you pay up front and then you just eat for the rest of the year. Yeah, usually. So the way my elementary school did it, you would at this Monday morning, you'd bring your, I don't know, $5 or whatever it was for the week. $5? You know, old and $5? Yeah, it's like my chicken like patty you, was $5. <laughs> If, well, you know, this is a while ago. Okay. Um, but if you ordered and you paid for the whole week, it was like a buck a lunch. If you ordered it that day, it was like a dollar fifty or something like that. Anyway, but you would Monday morning, you would get the menu. Sometimes there were two options you could pick from mm-hmm. on the day, and like oh, Friday was too, always yeah. pizza, right? So you'd like bring your five bucks, you'd fill out your little form and say which which of the options you wanted, and turn it in, and then your lunch would come to you. Middle school and high school. 
you had money on your ID card, you would order your lunch. If you ordered like the standard hot lunch, it was like $2, Two or you dollars? could do stuff a la carte. <laughs> and then in high school, we had a Taco Bell stand. Oh my like, God. With some like prepackaged Taco Bell stuff. By the time I was in high school, a lot of us would, if we were juniors or seniors, you could leave campus for lunch and we would like go pick up fast food at a That was back in a day where kids were allowed to leave their campuses. Wow. Yeah, we had we had a little sticker on our IDs that said whether we were allowed to leave campus or not. Wow. Okay. Your school is leaps and bounds ahead of mine. Or I'll just be a generational difference too. <laughs> yes, very much. And you know, you had like your parents had to sign off or whatever. But yeah, we had little right. ID cards. Wow, and my experience was, or we had like numbers we would type in, like we had a key code. Yeah, my school was subpar compared to your school. We didn't have any swipeable ID cards. It was all like cash a la carte stuff, and it was very subpar food. But anyway, that is, I think, the general. You know, like that's kind of what school lunch is. Like some schools are better, some schools are worse. Generally, you pay for it. However you pay for it will vary depending on school. But the food option are almost always American food. And we can critique that later. I can also speak to the context of my kids. Oh, yes. You do have kids. (laughs) I forgot that was a thing. But continue. Yes. What does your kids do? So my kids in elementary school and I think for sure in elementary school, I think in middle school, I don't know now that they're in high school but they got free breakfast Mm. every day fantastic so white milk chocolate milk and pastries sometimes there'd be fruit stuff like that and the the school the county provided it because and they've just provided it to everyone because they didn't want any kid not eating breakfast before school started or sort of being stigmatized that only certain kids got free breakfast so they would usually have something at home but then you know maybe they'd have a snack at school they never got school lunches not we would have happily got them for them but the kids are pretty bougie with their food (laughs) oh my god and so you know like i remember aaron being i don't know maybe like seven and we had we were having a party and aaron was like let me show you to the charcuterie board (laughs) oh my god cast you know we're foodies we like food i like good food so and the, our kids are, Aaron will eat pretty much anything, at least try everything. Tony is a little, slightly less open. So it just made it, it was like not worth trying to deal with, right. with lunches. And, so your kids bring lunch. Yes. And then the other reason is because I know the show of current school lunches and like the standards and what qualifies for a vegetable and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Was that like, has no, no. deteriorated. You're taking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actual vegetables. You're taking actual protein, meat, cheese and stuff. So they'll they'll make themselves like... Lunchables, you know, like the you know crackers, cheese, meat, etc. Okay, well, we got three generation of representation today. I feel like one of those generation is heavily biased, <laughs> meaning your kids. That your kids is probably not representative of most American kids. Probably not. Um, we also live in the suburbs too, so there's right. That. Okay, so you got three generations. Some generations more biased than others, but that is, I think, generally how school lunches work in America even today. And the reason why I brought this up while we're talking about this is I'd like to touch back with the food is public health theme at least once a season because it is where we started. Yay. One of the food-related public health issues that was in the zeitgeist a few months ago is school lunches. And when I say zeitgeist, what I mean is a political tweet and a political storm that it kicked up. <laughs> it was a side-by-side picture. On the left is Minnesota governor signing a law that grants free breakfast and school lunches to public school in Minnesota. And on the right is Arkansas governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders loosening child labor laws 
First of all, have you seen this tweet slash picture? Yeah, I saw the picture. Not on Twitter because I don't go on As Twitter you anymore, right? but probably came across some other thing that I saw. Yeah, it was floating around on the zeitgeist and uh, it was, you know, just a contrast of like what people are doing that's good and what people are doing that's kind of bad. Um, we could talk about child labor laws in another episode, but, uh, you know, not a good look in general to loosen child labor laws, but... Just this picture by itself would not have gotten into the zeitgeist as much had it not caused a controversy. And there was many people that posted or retweeted, I should say, that picture with comments like, you know, on one hand, you're just giving out free stuff. On the other hand, it's work and you're building character. Like one is like perpetual poverty and the other one is like you're teaching kids how to be independent and like learn responsibility. You know, the classic uh, conservative talking point of if you give free things to people, they'll just get lazier and lazier. Which is patently false. <laughs> Secondly, they're children. You know, I, I just feel like if you say this to like a 40 year old adult, I feel like it's like, all right, it's also not true, but I could see the logic. But these are like actual kids. Anyway, any comments? <laughs> this is just such a difference that we have in our approach in that thinking about. OK, let me let me be careful. Yeah. <laughs> so there are fundamental differences in how we think about success and failure. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast. Both of us have, yeah. But there are a group of people who think that successes are individual, ignoring all of the context around them. Mm -hmm. And then failures are also individual, ignoring all the context around them. And I find it frustrating when the people who have so much privilege and so many advantages yeah. can't pause for a moment and just reflect on these children, regardless of you know what you might think of their parents, these children didn't choose to be born into these communities. They didn't choose to be born to particular people. And so saying, well, we're not going to give you something free because we think maybe your parents haven't done whatever they need to do to be able to provide for you. Like that is so messed up. It is very messed and up. And so, I mean, on one hand, I understand where it comes from. It comes from sort of the mentality in the US that we're, you know, bootstrap mentality. Yeah, bootstrap yeah. mentality. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You got to have some advantage, blah, blah, blah. But people forget that some people have pulleys attached to their bootstraps and some people don't. Some people have advantages that make it a lot easier to get their bootstraps to pull themselves up. Some people also are barefoot and don't have boots to begin with. right? And some people start a hundred yard dash 99 yards behind and are expected to finish at the same pace as the people who start on the one yard line. Yeah. So it is, I don't know, it's just frustrating to me. It's unsurprising. It's unsurprising. It's like the same thing that we see and hear all the time. And we are at a place now where... We can't even fundamentally agree that children not being able to eat is a problem. Like, there are people who think, eh, that's, that's probably not a problem that we need to really Built deal character with. character or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so it kicked up a political storm for obvious reason. That's why it was in the zeitgeist a few months ago. So it got me thinking about school lunches and how important they are, especially in a country with food insecurity for children, uh, as you brought up. And it doesn't take a lot of digging to discover that this issue is multi-layered. We will first address one aspect of this issue, which is school lunch is a great way to feed children because children are in schools. 
So it's like a perfect opportunity to deliver. And we talked about this in our public school episode, which is because children are in school for so many hours a day, a lot of interventions can be funneled through schools because they're there already. Like it's like a perfect setup. Like all the kids are in this one place at the same time. So we'll address that first. School lunch is a great way to feed children. Absolutely. Almost 15% of households with kids experience food insecurity. And food insecurity, just to be clear, does not mean that people are starving or have a consistent lack of access to food. It means that their access to food is unreliable. And sometimes it can include like the kinds of foods you have access to maybe aren't as nutritious. It might be things like maybe a parent serves themselves a smaller portion to, to, you know, sort of give their kids some food. But as you were just saying, school lunches can help with this because if kids are getting breakfast and lunch at school, they're consistently getting those two meals, which can lower the stress of household food insecurity. Exactly. Uh, However, there are a few things that stand in the way. First, only eight states. uh, I think there's a few more now because this article might have been published before Minnesota governor signed the thing so but it might the point stands there's only a handful of states that have free school meals for children in most states you have to pay for your lunches and then this brings up to my next point what about reduced lunch or free lunch programs yeah so sometimes um, there are kids living in households who don't make enough money to be food secure but they make too much money to qualify for reduced or free lunch programs like we've talked about this in terms of Health insurance, for example, right? you make too much money to be on Medicaid, but not enough money to be able to afford other kinds of insurance. And we've talked before about how <laughs> jacked up the federal poverty levels are and, and how those are determined, which then determines whether you qualify for some of these programs. Yeah. So pretty much every federal program that is need based will be based on the federal poverty line. So sometimes they will say 130 percent of the federal poverty line, which is the case for, I believe, Maryland's free lunch program might be 130% of the poverty line. But the point is that line is low and therefore you get people because of all the inflation, you got lunch for $5 a week. I just, I'm still wrapping my head around that. That is impossible now. Yeah, like inflation and stuff, you could very much be above even like 200% of the federal poverty line and still be food insecure depending on where you live. While there is reduced lunch and free lunch program, those are not nearly enough to cover your basis. And then we get into the really messed up subject of school lunch debt, which is a deep rabbit hole that I'm not going to get into. But I feel like the phrase school lunch debt. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I will say there were times where I forgot my lunch and I didn't have money at a minimum the cafeteria would give me saltine crackers with peanut butter yeah so at least i had something (laughs) right like you know you forgot your lunch you didn't have money no problem like we'd at least give you something back in those days (laughs) (laughs) accruing debt because you can't pay like that's just that's wild you know a child is accruing this debt granted their parents will probably need to pay for it but yet the concept of a school lunch debt is I believe uniquely American because I don't think other country has this phrase, but maybe they do. But I, I certainly haven't seen it in discourses in other other comparable countries. I would say, yeah, other sort of peer countries. This probably is not they figured an issue it out. <laughs> because they tend to have much better social programs than we do in general. They spend their tax dollars far differently than we yeah, do. Yeah. So that's one aspect of the school lunch problem. The aspect of, well, some people it's 
it's a great way to feed children and we have food insecurity in this nation. There's another aspect of the school lunch phenomenon, which is for the kids that do get school lunch, school lunch is a major source of their nutrition for millions of children, those who do get it. And it definitely impacts their health. And I don't think we need to explain why making sure kids are fed is good for their health and their well-being. I guess we could talk about that a little bit. No, I think tacitly understood. (laughs) Probably everybody can understand that um, anybody being fed a nutritional meal is good for their health and well-being. But kids in particular, as they're growing and developing and puberty. uh, Oh, my gosh, man. Right now, it feels like we have six adults living in the house with the amount of food that we go through. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, did you go through a phase where you're never full? Me? Oh, yeah, for sure. That my dad said I had a hollow leg. Like I could just (laughs) he would be like, aren't you full yet? Or did you like open your trap door and shake it all down into your hollow leg? Like that was the my parents had a much less endearing nickname for me when I went through that phase. They call me locust. (laughs) Because I just I just scoured this house for like snacks and then other pantries would be constantly empty. Yeah, no, our our kids are eating a ton. But yeah, I went through that phase. Yeah, it is hard enough to feed kids in general. But like once you get through like into those deep puberty teenage years and each kid is eating the quantity of two full grown adults like it is it is expensive. It is hard. It is expensive. It is hard, especially if you're giving them charcuterie. Hey, man, <laughs> I like what I like. Expensive. Don't be judgy. Doesn't, I mean, you, <laughs> charcuterie doesn't have to be expensive, by the way. Just, to, just to, to clarify, we're not buying like $200 logs of sausage. We're buying, you know, reasonable priced food. <laughs> Fair enough. I also went through that phase. Anyway, all that is saying is that food is important. Um, so to give some context, the estimate that I found is 49 to almost 50 million people enrolled in public school. This is pre-K to 12. This is a huge chunk of the approximately 70 to 74 millions of people under 18 years old. So we're talking about 50 out of 70. That's three quarters ish. Oh, it's a hard fraction. Something. Yeah, it's a huge chunk are in public school. This is not counting private school. This is not counting homeschool. So public school is a huge chunk of people under 18. As for how many kids actually eat those school lunches, the numbers are much harder to find as they're state-by-state estimates, and I'm not about to sum all 50 states together. (laughs) But even if we take a very conservative estimate and say that only a quarter of those kids eat school lunch, that's still 12 million kids. You know, this is a lot of kids we're talking about who eat school lunches, and the more realistic number is likely 30 million. That is some of the estimates I've seen, but it's a lot of kids that eat school lunches, and therefore, how good our school lunches are directly impacts the health of a lot of kids. Absolutely. And just to put this into context a little bit and thinking about how important, even if it's not a school lunch, but the food that kids eat at school is important because kids spend 180 days every year in school from first grade to 12th grade. So for, you know, plus kindergarten. So, you know, you got a lot of years and a lot of days, Mm -hmm. even if it's just one meal a day, it's potentially like around 2,200 meals. If you count breakfast, you know, maybe double. So maybe like 4,300 meals that these kids are eating in school. And if these meals are provided by the school, the quality of that food becomes increasingly important. And as we were just talking about, these meals are happening when kids are growing and developing. And so what these kids are eating, what counts as a vegetable, what counts as a fruit, what counts as whatever, 
um, is really important. So these meals, these school lunches, school breakfast, school meals are really important for health. Yeah. So you can imagine if you feed kids unhealthy stuff, a huge chunk of our population will be unhealthy. So that gets to the question. Shocker. Term, yeah, exactly. Also, I was going to say, like, this might have something to do with why we have an obesity problem among our young people in the U.S. because of what is going into school lunches, which I know you're going to touch on this. And yes. So I am a chronically online person specifically for like infotainment stuff. I don't know if that's a word that, you know, it is. I'm also I also know edutainment. Which yes. Is what I think we are. <laughs> yes, exactly. And one type of content that you'll consistently see on video sharing platform is looking at school lunches in various countries. It's a very popular format. It's like, oh, we're, today we're going to look at school lunches in Korea or you know, Taiwan or Thailand and American school lunches consistently rank dead last in terms of quality and appetizing and just like nutritional benefit. And one of the big reason is simply the nature of the American diet, which we're not going to get into today. But an- another big reason is how these school lunches are funded because that determines their quality. Well, I think it's also important to remember who predominantly is eating these school lunches. If our upper class, mm-hmm. you know, top 1% kids, I don't need to say any more than that. We're going to public schools and eating school lunches. That'd be a bit more of an outrage. The quality <laughs> of these lunches would be very different than if these lunches were being served to people not in that top 1%. Exactly. A class issue is always a theme in public health issues. So how are school lunches funded? They are funded through the USDA, I think. But they're funded through the federal government. Let's just general. That's how dollars are divvied up. Do you remember ketchup as a vegetable scandal? I do remember ketchup as a vegetable scandal, which, first of all, a tomato is a fruit. Yes, it's not a vegetable. So how ketchup could be a vegetable is messed up. Yeah, but this was a scandal during the Reagan administration. Uh, I feel like a lot of things starts in the Reagan administration, but we'll, we'll save that commentary for some other time. But basically, they are slashing lunch programs by 25%. That is an insane amount to slash anything. 25%, a quarter, a quarter of your budget gone. What they did was they slashed a budget without adjusting the requirements. So now the USDA is like pulling their hair out, trying to satisfy nutritional requirements set 20 years ago with a 75% budget and inflation on top of it. So they got to get creative. So I don't even blame the USDA. You know, to be perfectly honest, they were just trying to satisfy the nutrition requirements set like years ago that they need to suffice. So I don't blame them, but they need to get creative. And one of the ways that they got creative was, well, pickles are vegetables, so are relishes, so are ketchup. And that's how they could satisfy the uh, nutrition requirement. Obviously, nobody bought it. (laughs) So, I mean, I certainly remember when I was a kid hearing conversations around ketchup as a vegetable. So I will say I could buy a pickle as a vegetable because it's a cucumber, it's pickled, maybe not the healthiest version of a vegetable, but I could get that. Even relish because again, it's like chopped up pickles, right? But I refuse to even entertain. I reject the premise of ketchup as a vegetable because it's a fruit. Like, come on. It's a condiment. It's fruit with sugar, which makes it even more fruit. It's actually more vinegar and sugar than tomato, I think. But it depends on the ketchup. It depends on the ketchup. You're right. Fresh ketchup is great. If you ever had a chance to make eat like fresh handmade ketchup, they're delicious. But- anyway, the, the moral of, of today's episode is a lot of kids spend Well, kids spend a lot of time in school. Most kids spend a lot of time in school. Many of them get their, you know, main meals. 
sometimes lunch alone, sometimes breakfast and lunch, but they're getting a lot of their main meals from school lunch programs, school food programs. And so it's important that we're talking about the quality of the food that our kids are eating when they're in this really important developmental stage. And it's embarrassing that the U.S. continues to have such abysmal school lunches compared to other countries because we're spending money maybe in the wrong ways. And if we spent it on good, healthful, quality lunches for kids, we might address a lot of health issues before they begin. And how do you address quality of school lunches? It's a funding problem. And that is ultimately the crux of the issue. But, you know, hopefully this episode got you hungry or maybe not because you thought about your school lunches and are like, oh, well, now I don't want to eat anything I'm anymore. I'm hungry. You're hungry by thinking about school lunch. You had good school lunches. My school lunches were terrible. Dino nuggets. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. This is the best thing that you can do to help us tell everyone how awesome and critical public health is. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review. It helps the show immensely. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or think we missed an important perspective, please reach out to us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. You can find me on threads at CASPHD. Please follow us on Instagram, Threads, and Mastodon, all at Everything is Public Health. We are no longer using Twitter, and honestly, we may delete it uh, anytime soon. Do you think we should join Blue Sky Social? Please let us know, because we're on the fence about it. If you want to support the show directly, we have a Patreon page, which also acts as our website. Follow us there for all major updates and bonus material. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.